It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. By no one's demand but our own. And from the DraftKings Sportsbook Studios here in sunny, scenic, quarantine, Elizabeth Park, Nashville, Tennessee. It is the award-winning 615 Sessions podcast. It's powered by the fine folks at Two Rivers Ford. And legal tampering or not, it's brought to you as always by A to Z Sports and A to Z Sports Nashville.com. What's up? Happy Tuesday. It has been a wild one. It is officially now Tuesday at the time of this podcast taping it is literally 12 a.m on tuesday march the 16th been a long day but that's okay because the exciting part of the legal tampering period which really should just be called negotiation period the nfl is lit and the titans have made their first round of free agent signings it's going to be a different show we're going to do your music city mailbag questions at the end of the podcast as is the custom and on the front end I'm going to talk to you a little bit about what happened with Bud Dupree, with Corey Davis, with Jonu Smith, with Danico Autry, to a lesser extent, Kendall Lamb, who is also here on a new two-year deal. But you're also going to hear a part of the interview that I did on my 104.5 The Zone radio show with John Ledyard, because we do a Mock Draft Monday segment. John was this week's Mock Draft Monday guest, but we ended up spending a lot of time because the Shaq Barrett news broke right in the middle of that interview talking about Bud Dupree. So John is one of the best talent evaluators in the business. He's an exceptional scout when it comes to these guys coming out of college and into the NFL, keeps close track on them. And so I thought that part of the conversation, even though it happened before the signing, there was a lot of good info in there about what kind of player the Titans are getting in Bud Dupree. So without further ado, we will get to all of those things. But first, you know that the fine folks at Two Rivers Ford make this podcast possible. In fact, they make a lot of things possible here in Middle Tennessee for five decades. It has been an incredible evolution for the fine folks at Two Rivers Ford. And they have kept up with the times while always operating with honesty and integrity. It's hugely important. Just as it's important in NFL news and reporting this time of year, it's also important to trust the people who you're going to be making or consider making a substantial investment with in a new or pre-owned vehicle. The Ford vehicles that they have out for you there in Mount Juliet, they are top of the line, especially the new 2021 models. Go check out the Bronco, the electric Mach-E Mustang, and the F-150. It is, it's basically a generator. You can, you can run, you can power, uh, well, I don't know what you can power specifically. I don't have the voltage offhand, but the point is, <laughs> before I get too sidetracked, that the great vehicles at Two Rivers Ford are one of a kind, and the customer service is what you want 
above all else. Non-commissioned sales staff, no pressure throughout the car buying experience. And if you don't want to go and do anything in person, that's okay too. Maybe you're not a people person uh, like me. I'm not a people person, which is surprises a lot of people considering that I talk to a lot of people on a regular basis. But if you don't want to be a people person, all you got to do is go online and go through the entire car purchasing process at tworiversford.com. All right, so let's start with the reporting on Bud Dupree's New Deal. Then we'll spend a little time on Corey Davis before we give you a part of the John Ledyard interview from 104.5 The Zone, my radio show, there on Monday. Here's what happened. So you guys freaked the hell out all throughout the course of the day. I told you right before things got started, I think it was right before I walked into the radio studio on Monday, I tweeted out, I said, listen, be prepared for a mass free agent exodus. You have 20 of these guys. They're going to get priced out. The defensive players, they largely don't want back. And so what happened? John U. Smith was the first to come down four years, $50 million from the New England Patriots. Uh, absolute chaos. People lost their minds. And I understand, John U. a good player. But what was something that I feel like not a lot of people keep top of mind is you've already allotted your budget for Janu Smith last offseason. Not many teams, very few teams, uh, the Aaron Jones thing kind of flies in the face of this to to a lesser degree, but there aren't a ton of teams paying running backs in the NFL right now. And so a lot of these offenses and a lot of these team general managers and salary cap experts, they're budgeting offense by certain standards. Now, for most offenses, that allotment, that financial compensation, that's going to be set aside for a tight end in most NFL offenses. But instead, for a $12.5 million value, which John U. Smith is getting in New England, you had already paid out that sum to one would argue, a vastly more important offensive player for this football team. That's Derrick Henry. Jonu Smith is making $12.5 million a year from the New England Patriots. Derrick Henry's average annual value on the extension he signed last offseason, $12.5 million. So that money was already gone out of the gate. Don't worry about it. Then you see Corey Davis, who signs a three-year $37 million contract with the New York Jets. God bless him. I hate that for him, but such is life. There was going to be an overpay with Corey Davis and a team that needed to rebuild their wide receiving core. It was going to be hugely important, and the Jets always made a ton of sense. It's three years, $37.5 million. There's $27 million in guarantees. That's according to Adam Schefter. So the Corey Davis situation was really never going to happen in Tennessee, and this is why. It's not about Corey. It's not about Janu. It's about they couldn't afford to extend those guys, and nor will they pay Jayon Brown. I have told you this multiple times. Do not expect Daquan Jones or Desmond King or Jadavion Clowney even to make any kind of return unless it's for a figure that is substantially below their market value. They are looking to wipe the slate clean defensively. They did not they were not thrilled about letting Malcolm Butler go. I think Kenny Vaccaro, that was 
always the most obvious choice, not just financially, but from a football perspective as well. They just need to make room. Now, what they have done, and we will wait to see how the contract is structured because the finances on this are going to be fascinating. They went out and they waited about six and a half hours, John Robinson did, before he did anything. He let you guys burn the internet down a little bit. The phone lines on the radio show, they were pretty calm, but you all on Twitter, I mean, Twitter is not a place for ration or reasoning, but the situation that John Robinson allowed to play out was first and foremost, and I wrote about this for AtoZSportsNashville.com, they wanted to see who would go first, and it ended up being Matt Judon. Matt Judon made about $14 million a year from the New England Patriots, who just were spending like drunk frat boys with their first college bar tab open. Like it was insane what Bill Belichick was doing. And Jonu Smith and Matt Judon were part of that big spending spree. So they let that domino fall first. And so internally, the discussions were, okay, we know that Bud Dupree fits our system. Now, he's not the only fit. He's the one who makes the most sense. He's probably the player with the highest ceiling, even though it was a pretty deep free agent edge class this year given that you saw Hassan Reddick who is still out there you see Carl Lawson going to the Jets as well Trey Hendrickson I believe replaced Carl Lawson in Cincinnati so there was a lot of moving pieces and a lot of solid players by the way there's still some guys out there who if you can create the financial flexibility to go and pursue would be exceptional compliments to what is already a really strong move but 82 and a half million dollars over five years are, is what the Titans are paying Bud Dupree. And I have been kind of back and forth on Bud Dupree, but John Ledyard of Pewter Report, who you'll hear from from that interview on the Zone Radio Show here in just a second, he really, really sold me, outside of just the film, really sold me on the kind of player and person and work ethic that Bud Dupree brings to a team like the Titans. It's a big deal. Now, it's also coupled with a very, very nice addition to the defensive line in Danico Autry, who is one of the most underrated defensive linemen, I would argue, in the NFL. He's a big part of why the Colts were so effective and so efficient. Next to DeForest Buckner last year, he was an absolute stud. He pressures from the interior. He is on a three-year contract that will pay him 21 and a half million dollars. Now the Titans had about 17 heading 17 million to spend going into this. So you're asking me, well, how the hell is that possible? The details of these contracts are going to be very key. And again, Kendall Lamb got a two year, $8 million and change deal to help bolster that offensive line. I imagine he's going to be the swing tackle if Dennis Kelly is going to start. And if he can push Dennis Kelly, that'd be great. But without Isaiah Wilson, of course, you know, you needed that. All of that to say is that the ire that John Robinson drew in the six and a half hours that it took him from the start of the legal tampering period at 11 a.m. to 6.30, I think it was about 6.28 when the report from Rap Sheet came out about the Nico Autry and then what followed there shortly after was the Bud Dupree and Kendall Lamb signings. John John Robinson knows what he's doing. Like I just can't I can't come to terms with the people who don't understand how substantially this man 
how substantially better this man has made your football team over the course of heading into six years that he's been here in Middle Tennessee as the lead personnel guy. And sometimes it sounds like I'm carrying water for this dude, but I really do believe, and I think that bears out on a regular basis, one, that he's not scared off by the misses that they had last offseason because we've all we've talked about this at length. They screwed up. They messed up with Jadavion Clowney, Vic Beasley, Isaiah Wilson, the draft class, the rest of it. Uh, I mean, the injuries, what can you do? But John Robinson continues to take these swings in a way that you should be proud of if you are a fan base that is represented by this dude because he's trying to keep you competitive. It could have be it would be very easy to look at about half of the roster for the Titans turning over and say, "You know what? We're going to make some room for AJ Brown's contract down the road. Nate Davis is going to need to be paid, Jeffrey Simmons as well. We can focus mostly on compensatory draft picks with all of the free agents that we're going to lose. We'll get about 30 million dollars on the 2022 cap." when things will be a little more easy to maneuver, and we'll try to field the most competitive roster in 21, but the goal is not going to be as lofty as it has been in the past two seasons. AFC Championship games, Super Bowls, all of these things. John Robinson continues to take swings. And I think that's the best part of all of this. When you really, really dig down deep into it, and the fact that Vin Marino was probably able to figure out a way to structure these contracts for Dupree and Autry that's going to make it feel pretty comfortable at least in the first year of the deal. It's typically how these things go. So what's going to happen now is you're going to hear from John Ledyard of Pewter Report. This man helped found the Draft Network, which so many of you frequent. He's one of the finest talent evaluators in our profession. You'll hear some of that interview that I did on my Zone radio show on 104.5, and then we'll conclude tonight's podcast at 12.13 a.m. with a Music City mailbag. Before we go to sleep, we start it all over again and write articles and do radio and all of these great things. But first, let's speak with John Ledyard. Corey Davis, John U. Smith, Jayon Brown, Jadavion Clowney to a much lesser extent. Daquan Jones is also lumped in the middle of this. We... The, the the train of thought here is that none of these guys are coming back. The Titans, in cutting Malcolm Butler and Kenny Vaccaro and Adam Humphreys, freed up just over $17 million. They're going to need a chunk of that just to pay the draft class that will be coming in. What What is a reasonable expectation, John, before we get into draft solutions? What What's out there in the edge market that they can even afford right now? Uh, yeah, the affordable is the interesting thing. If Shaq Barrett's number is $17 million per year, when, when there were people, I mean, Joel Corey, former agent, who's one of the best resources that there is out there on contract, said that Shaq Barrett should start his asking price at five years at $22 million per year. He wrote that on our article yesterday. So maybe he started his asking price there, but it, I mean, he didn't even hit the market and he signed for seventeen per year. So is everybody's hit going to be way lower than we kind of thought it would be? Um, if so, I mean, Bud Dupree, to me, is the best other guy out there. Obviously, as you know, I'm you know Steeler guy. I used to cover the Steelers early in his career. I just, you know, I was ready to put the boss label on him. And then the last two years, really, since they got rid of Joey Porter as the outside linebackers coach, he's blossomed and kind of taken off. Um, you know, he's always been super explosive and aggressive and physical, but just no kind of nothing else kind of to his game, really. No, no not very like well rounded in in any other ways. And so. 
Um, I think that he, what he's been able to do the last two years to develop as a pass rusher, using using his hands better, uh, always been you know been a good run defender, continued to become a good run defender. Also tackles for a lot, high impact player behind the line of scrimmage. Coming off the ACL, you know those are pretty standard injuries. I don't think it's going to affect these days. I don't think it's going to affect his market too too much, but. Maybe in a year like this, he gets uh, you know a little bit less, and um, you know, and he's, you're looking at a shorter deal, maybe even. And I'm not sure, um, but if he's available, I think he would be yeah, another a good guy to target. You know, Leonard Floyd's coming off a good year again. I, I don't know. I think he really needs to be part of a of a good D line to be productive. When that was the case in Chicago, and that was the case with the Rams, he was productive and more impactful. But he but he can drop into coverage, and he can uh, he can defend the run, and he's an adequate pass rusher. And so you know, he's kind of your mid tier option, maybe. Uh, at that point in time, um, if, if none of the other bigger names work out, you just get risky. You know, it gets risky with some other guys that are out there in the market. Yannick Ngakwe's coming off, you know, not two seasons that just weren't that great. Like, is he really going to be worth it? Melvin Ingram, Jadavian Clowney, those guys, their health is kind of heading in the wrong direction. I'm not sure that they're going to be the players that they once were, and Ingram's older, and, you know, I just worry about the body like his. You know, it just doesn't tend to age very well. And so there's just all kinds of questions to me. Trey Henderson and Carl Lawson, part-time players, good pressure numbers, but how much were they just kind of a product of the role they were being used in? And can they be every down guys? There's a lot of questions that the price tag is going to matter with everybody else. I think, you know, what are they going to cost and what kind of damage is it going to do you? What kind of risk are you taking on to sign them? I think that's going to be the, the pivotal thing. But if you just looking for a pass for streaming, I think Carl Lawson and Bud Dupree are probably your best bets. Yeah. Cause just the analysis that you gave there of Bud Dupree is, 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 counter to a lot of what gets trafficked on the internet and the internet is a terrible place largely to get legitimate information outside of uh legal tampering period day because you see all of these contracts coming down from all the national reporters uh the 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 bud dupree situation where you look at him and you say okay how much of it is a is a one-off given that the production was not quite there he's coming off an injury we're not sure when he will be back from that acl acls are fairly routine but he's also playing alongside or across from TJ Watt. They've got Stefan to it. They've got Cam Hayward. It's a defense that's absolutely nasty. Is it is it something that Titans fans, as they're trying to decide, you know, in their in their uh, armchair GM situations where everybody's looking at Spotrack and over the cap trying to decide who their favorite team can afford and why they think it makes sense? Is that something of Bud Dupree that they have to be cautious of, or the, does the film bear out, you know, a legitimate? pass rushing option to put alongside Harold Landry because this man John desperately needs help here in Tennessee he's a legitimate pass rushing threat now I mean I don't I'm not going to say Bud Dupree's like a top 15 you know pass rusher in the league or edge rusher in the league I don't think he's that but he's just he's just continued to get better and better he's beating guys 1v1 more in the last two years I mean his stack numbers show it I mean the pressure numbers aren't like elite or anything but again you know I, I think his all-around game is very good. He's a short thing, and he makes a lot of plays behind the line of scrimmage um, for an edge defender, even if they aren't all sacks. And so I think he's very effective in that way. I'm pretty sure his stop rate for pro football focus, which is like tackles made within one yard of the line of scrimmage on either side or, or on the plus side, even is really high, and he's always defended the run really well. On block situations, setting the edge. Um, so I think he checks that box. He's physical, aggressive. He never quits on a play. Quarterback holds the ball. He is running like crazy, and he's one of the fastest players in the league at edge defender. So there's a lot of plus to him. There's a lot of, like, a way stronger Bruce Irvin to him, kind of. But also there's the fact that he's developed. He has developed his hands, and he is batting across top at the top of the arc 
into his game, and he is very explosive off the ball, and he's gotten better at timing up the snap count. All of those things matter. He's never going to be the bendiest guy. Uh, he has converted speed to power more recently in the last two years, which never happened in his first three years, um, which is another good sign. He's probably never going to be, uh, you know, create on his own 12 sacks a year type of player. But, you, again, you look at the market and you say, what's the best that's out there? What's the best for the age of the player that's out there and, and what you might be getting in future years in terms of athleticism and ceiling. And Dupree has kind of been a late bloomer in that way, largely because he was one of the rawest players I've probably ever scouted coming out of Kentucky. I mean, he was so raw. It was ridiculous. He barely even started his first two years in Pittsburgh because he had to learn so much about the game. So the fact that the arrow is pointing up still for him the last two years, I think it bodes well. But again, you're taking a risk. In free agency, you're definitely taking a risk. Shaq Perry was definitely the top guy out there, in my opinion. And now that he's off the market, I think you just have to look at what's out there, what's available, what's available in the draft. You know, where are we? I just don't know if there's a sure thing in the draft. Even if we draft one, we should probably sign somebody and then kind of evaluate what's the cost going to be. If Bud Dupree's, you know, 13 or 14 million a year, and you can get out of his contract after a couple of years, I think it's probably worth the risk. Music City mailbag time here on the 615 sessions. But before we get into your questions, because they have filed in with great haste, and of course, you know that you can submit your Music City mailbag questions to me via my Instagram DMs at Buck Rising, R-E-I-S-I-N-G. Before we get into the mailbag, I got to tell you about the way that you should be making money. If you're not, I'm literally threatening you. I'm threatening you to say that if you don't, as you're listening to this podcast, go download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. And if you don't, go plug in the promo code A to Z Sports. I'm sorry, I fear for your sanity because you're just costing yourself Easy money at this point. March Madness is officially here. The biggest tournament is finally here. We do not know who will be cutting down the nets at the end, but we do know there will be no shortage of madness. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is putting new customers in the center of the action. Bet $4 on an underdog. Win $256 if they win. It's just that simple. Pick one of many select college basketball underdogs for your shot at winning $256. All it takes is a $4 bet. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use the promo code A to Z Sports when you sign up to turn $4 into $256 if the underdog of your choosing pulls off the upset. Code A to Z Sports, A T O Z Sports to turn $4 into $256 for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. You must be 21 or older. Tennessee only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call or text the Tennessee red line 1-800-889-9789. All right, let's get into the mailbag because you guys have been waiting patiently for a week. And I know that there is a lot to discuss. Warner 08 starts the bidding. Hey, Buck, I know you get some crazy-ass questions on free agency, and I'm hoping mine isn't in that category. LOL. Could you see the Titans make a run at Richard Sherman if he does indeed hit free agency? Money, I know, is always an issue, but a good veteran who can bring that leadership lost by release of Malcolm Butler. Anyways, just a thought and question for you. Keep up the awesome work, man. Well, thank you, Warner, first and foremost. Um, you know, it's not the craziest question that I've got. I just, and Richard Sherman has played at a high level. 
He's got some injury history. He's getting up there in age. He, there's no question that he brings a fierceness, a toughness, a level of competitiveness that you're going to be searching for a little bit without somebody like Malcolm Butler and Kenny Vaccaro, both very, very present leadership, both in the locker room and on the field. Those guys that you've lost, that you've cut for the purposes of salary cap. Now, I mean, corner is a really, it just depends on whether one, he even gets out there on the open market and two, I mean, what's it going to cost? I just, let me look up quickly what Richard Sherman is making right now, just so we kind of have a, uh, kind of have a ballpark idea. Now, I don't imagine that he would be making something similar should he be released to what he's currently making now with the 49ers. And I do know that he had a restructure in the middle of this three-year, $27 million deal that he signed in 2018. He's going to be 33 this year. And he's straight up an unrestricted free agent, so it's not like he has to be released. So he is out. He is out and available on the open market. Thirty-three. If you're going to cut Malcolm Butler, and I know Malcolm, but was really just a money move more than anything. It's not like they didn't like him as a player, but I just think that it's not that Richard Sherman is as bad as Jonathan Joseph was, or could be as bad as Jonathan Joseph was last year. But if something was to happen from an injury standpoint, and Richard Sherman is having to play at 33 years old substantial snaps for you. Yeah, your pass rush is a lot better, but I I, uh, I would be hesitant. In fact, that's really not a route that I would explore at all, but we appreciate the question, Warner. Nonetheless, Shrike113 on Instagram writes in, quick question. Is Kyle Van Noy out of the question with the cap being what it is? If the Titans added him to this group, the front seven is immediately a force to contend with. So I love the Kyle Van Noy, the idea of Kyle Van Noy. And we know that the Titans were looking for inside linebacker help. They were in on Bernardrick McKinney, who's an inside linebacker, formerly of the Texans, now a part of one of the many trades between the Dolphins and the Texans that don't involve Deshaun Watson, just actively trolling him at this point. The A lot of this is pending, and probably by the time most of you guys hear this podcast, we'll have a better idea of how Bud Dupree's contract and how Danico Autry and Kendall Lamb's contracts are structured because I'm sure they're designed, at least in the first year of the deal, to allow some more breathing room to try and acquire other guys. And remember, you're going to have to sign a rookie draft class and all of these things. Kyle Van Noy just makes so much sense. And it's not just at one position. A lot of people, a lot of the people who you hear from on this podcast or on my radio show who have covered Kyle Van Noy or the AFC East like Mike Giardi, Giardi said he's basically better as an on-the-ball linebacker as a pass rusher off the edge than he did than he is as an inside linebacker. And the best part about Kyle Van Noy as an inside linebacker is that he knows where the hell to be, which is more than you can say about Rashawn Evans or David Long, and really to a degree, Jayon Brown up into a point last year. Jayon Brown struggled really until the game where his elbow blew up. And then you saw how that played out. So as we sit here right now, I can't imagine a world where they can make that work. Kyle Van Noy was making about $15 million last season. That's why the Dolphins cut him. 
to clear up that salary cap room, not for performance, but like a lot of these guys that you'll see out there on the open market. Ultimately, though, if they are going to pursue somebody like that, something else on the roster is going to have to give. And it is my understanding that their preference, because they haven't restructured anybody yet, and largely, I don't know about Roger Saffold, but I know that neither Brett Kern, who's making $3.5 million this year, or Taylor Lewan at $13 million and change, neither of those two have been approached for restructures as we sit here on Tuesday morning. So something to keep in mind. What's the word, Buck? What are you hearing, says Kenston Farmer. He's the next one. Why haven't we restructured? Are we really going into free agency with $16.5 million? Well, yes, you did. You made the signings. This was, you know, at 8.49 on Monday morning, so this was really before everything broke out. The restructures, though, which is probably the bulk of how I'll answer Kenston's question, man, John Robinson just doesn't like doing those. Like the Kevin Byard thing was really, really late in the free agency in the offseason last year, and that was just because Judavia Clowney was still out on the market and they were trying to free up space at the very end. Now, what you end up with is a Kevin Byard that makes $15 million this year, which is outrageous. Like, that's just not something that's palatable. The cap hit goes up when you push things off like that. Yes, restructures, and I had a, I had a pretty public education about this because the salary cap stuff, it can be, I don't want to, you know, it's not a cop-out, but it can be hard to, to navigate sometimes. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of language in these contracts and in these collective bargaining agreements and really, in the uh, and really in the restructure language as well, where these sums can be converted to signing bonuses, the players will see that full sum. It's just basically changed from what's called paragraph five five money, which is their base salary, converted into signing bonus. The players are then paid that signing bonus, and the cap hit as well as the base salary come down for that season where they're restructuring. Now, they're going to have to have some kind of recompense on the back end of those deals, which is what you're seeing with guys like Bayard. They can approach these guys if they so choose. But as of Monday, or excuse me, Tuesday morning at 12.23 a.m., they have not yet chosen to do so. Their preference would be to focus on extensions first, to bring down cap hits from guys like Ben Jones. I would monitor that situation pretty closely. And then if all else fails and they really, really think they need to take another swing, then they can explore the restructure process with some of these guys who are making a lot of money. That's from Kenston in the Instagram DMs. Lost in TN. Dan Kinderlin writes in, Hey, big fella, sliding in the DMs like you said. Great show. Keep it up. Continued success for you, sir. Well, thank you, uh, Dan. That's uh, Or Dane, rather. Uh, I should probably pronounce your name correctly. Thank you, Dane. That's very kind of you. No question, just compliments. The rare, uh, the rare, just pure positivity here on the uh, Music City Mailbag. Lucas Thomason writes in, So with the news they are letting Davis and Smith walk, is there a chance they extend A.J. Brown, retain Jayon Brown? Go after Lawson and Clowney, draft wide receiver in the first two rounds. So some of this stuff has changed. Uh, Jayon Brown's not coming back. AJ Brown, I would bank on an extension at some point, but that's probably a next or, you know, as we get closer to this season type of deal. Lawson is with the Jets. Clowney, I would imagine they let walk. And I think wide receivers very much on the table in the first two rounds, as Lucas is asking. 
go best player available. Like, don't draft for position. Don't draft based off purely of need. Yes, you have needs you need to address, and you structure your draft board thusly, but the talent needs to supersede all of these things. The fit needs to supersede all of these things. So if it's a pass rusher at 22, if you in fact stay at 22, take the pass rusher. If it is, uh, if it's a wide receiver that you simply can't pass up at 22, or if you want to trade up and go get one of these guys, do what makes the most sense. I know that sounds like useless analysis, but I feel like so many times John's not really guilty of this, but he does need to nail his draft picks and he does have an extra third round pick to have a little more, uh, a little more wiggle room with just the sheer amount of guys that they're going to need to bring back in with all the roster turnover. But wide receiver should absolutely be on the table. Lawson, as we mentioned, already signed with the Jets. Clowney's out. Jayon Brown's out. The only thing that Lucas is asking that I think is still viable is an A.J. Brown, that I know is still viable, is an A.J. Brown extension. Last one here on a Tuesday. YOLO Pineapple. Justin Miller says, Has Tennessee's plan always been to draft offense and sign defense, or am I just assuming? Um, You know, I think it's, that's a good question. It's pretty cyclical, to be honest with you. Because when John first got here, what was the what was the plan, right? The plan was to immediately fix the secondary first and foremost, and then allow everything else to kind of flourish around it. So what they did was they, it was a mixed bag. They paid Logan Ryan. Then they ended up paying Malcolm Butler a year later. They drafted a Dory Jackson, drafted Kevin Byard. They kind of fell into Kenny Vaccaro, and then all of a sudden they had the best secondary in the league for at least a year. They drafted Jeffrey Simmons and Harold Landry. So I I, I guess I understand where you're coming from because more of the offense is built through the draft than through free agency. The defense has largely been plugging holes that they find with free agents. Um, but I think it's just kind of based on, and this isn't just a John thing. I think it's just based on where your team is at any given point. Like there are certain, there are certain MOs that personnel people in the league have as it relates to roster construction. I think the thing that more people lean off and lean on off more often than not is building through the trenches, offensive and defensive line first, because that's more, more often than not how you win in the NFL. Building from the back end like John did is successful, but then when you leave the pass rush to languish as long as they ended up doing and you have a secondary that makes $54 million, as it was before Malcolm Butler and Kenny Vaccaro got cut, then you start to have these needs pop up again. Now, it was a successful solution for the better part of, of four years, right? They are now they are they they have now had five consecutive winning seasons under John Robinson, and that's an absolute tribute to him and his roster construction because that's over multiple coaching staffs. It's not just Mike Vrabel. That includes Mike Malarkey's first nine and seven. So I understand what your point is because it does look like this particular offense is built largely through the draft. They did plug some holes like Roger Saffold and at the time Adam Humphreys in free agency, and that was effective. But it just it just really depends on where your team is in as cliche as it sounds in their window how you go about addressing things either through the draft or through free agency that's the music city mailbag and that's this week's 615 sessions here on a tuesday we appreciate you guys as always 
If you are subscribed to this podcast, go get the podcast on my radio show. You'll hear a lot of great guests, a lot of great insight and analysis. We'll continue to have, and it's not going to often going to be a, a solo podcast like this because I'm talking enough to myself on a regular basis. We'll bring our media friends back into rotation once things get a little more organized, but uh, the nature of the legal tampering period is messy. Uh, it feels a little bit dirty and largely unorganized. So we just wanted to get the podcast off the ground and to you as soon as humanly possible, which turns out is at 12.30 a.m. on Tuesday morning. At the time that we finish taping this, go get Buck Rising on 104.5 The Zone. That's the podcast that you can find in your favorite podcast app. On Tuesday, we will have Nate Tice of The Athletic. We will talk all about these transactions that have been made. A lot of live breaking news happens during the radio show. That's a lot of fun as well. Also, Make sure that you're supporting the people that support this show, Two Rivers Ford and DraftKings Sportsbook. They make this podcast free for you. And, by the way, support all of the great podcasts also in this feed because it's not just me. You know this by now. Tighten Up Podcast, even though they're idiots sometimes, they do a great job. The Big Orange Podcast, it's ramping up. I understand that Tennessee is heading into the SEC tournament, or excuse me, his he- is heading into the NCAA tournament. And they will have a big game on Friday. We largely did not give that a lot of time because the NFL sucks so much air out of edit. All of it. But luckily, in this podcast feed, Charlie Burris and Zach Reagan do a great job on the Big Orange Pod as well. As for me, I will see you on primetime. I will talk to you on the radio show. But this podcast will return to you each and every Tuesday with conversations from your favorites in local media about your favorite sports teams. So, as always, stay safe. Stay clean, and most importantly, Nashville, the weather is getting warmer, so you got to stay hot. This has been the award-winning 615 Sessions podcast from the DraftKings Sportsbook Studios. It's powered by the fine folks at Two Rivers Ford, and you know it's brought to you, as always, by A to Z Sports and A to Z Sports Nashville.com.